Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 300 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Charlotte. Hi, my name's Charlotte, and I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. I'm a little bit nervous, but uh, but I'll decide. Uh, I want to thank Monica for inviting me to share uh, with you tonight my experience, strength, and hope. I'm just going to take a deep breath. Uh, uh, All right, so tonight my job is to share with you uh, what what I was like, what happened, and uh, what I'm like tonight, what I'm like today. Um, I want to welcome the newcomer. Um, I, this is my first OA meeting, and, um, Martha here? She, oh, yes. Martha, um, was my Eskimo. She brought me here, and, um, I, too, am part of other fellowships, and I had no idea what OA was like, and I was a newcomer for a long time, so I really want to extend, um, like, my deepest welcome to those that raise their hand, because I know what it's like to be new, and new for a long time, and just the, the devastation of this disease, and I want to welcome those that didn't raise their hand, um, that are lying to themselves, or lying to a sponsor about abstinence, because I did that, and, uh, I just, I know what that's like, so I'll, I'll get started. Um, my abstinence date is April 9th, 2012, and I have a sponsor, and I have an active relationship with my sponsor. I go to meetings, and uh, uh, what I mean by an active relationship is I call my sponsor every day. Um, I go to meetings, and I take commitments, and um, I have a bottom line, and what that means is um, I don't throw up or take, um, I don't throw up, and I don't uh, purge in any way, no matter what. So I don't take laxatives, I don't... Uh, uh, take colonics, um, and I don't throw up. So that's my bottom line. And I, that, it's a black and white for me because if it's not, um, I lied about that for a long time. So anyways, I was born on the East Coast to two loving parents. Um, uh, and I, I don't know, they may have eating disorders, but that's not really my business. And I moved to San Francisco when I was six months old and, uh, so I don't really remember the East Coast, but um, I had a strange relationship with food from the get-go. Like, I, my parents told me, uh, they called me Juicy Legs um, from, the, from the very beginning because I had fat legs, and I don't know. Um, that's just a funny funny thing to remember. Actually, my wet nurse called me Juicy Legs, and it kind of stuck. And uh, my first word was juice, but I only ate, uh, like, bread and pasta for, like, my first six years of life. And I remember my parents always used to say, can't you just eat normally? And I didn't even know what that meant. But it was like, but it was like as a kid, I had no idea. It was like eat normally. It was like that's what I liked. And then as I grew up, it was like, can't you just be normal? And it was like, I had no experience with what normal was. This is just what I what I did. And I started to take offense to like, can't you just be normal? And so, I don't know. But that was that was their reaction to the way that I ate and the way that I acted. Um, when I was 11, I, I sort of made enemies with myself. I, I started to eat, I started to restrict my food, and it was like, 
it was like I it was like I became my own worst enemy and it was it was it was when self will started to work for me and I I started eating very little and anorexia is part of my story. I don't identify as an anorexic but um, it was like apples and yogurt and uh, and I think the self will was really backed with a lot of self hatred and it was sort of this this recipe for getting thin and it worked for a really long time and um, my my home life was uh, let me give you a little backdrop for my home life my parents had gotten divorced and I was living with my mom and um, I had a lot of uh, potential would I say I was a really good student and um, my dad really wasn't part of my life and I uh, I really wanted to succeed and being thin was sort of part of this recipe for success in my life and like I said self-will um, worked for me and so I read a lot of um, like 17 and all these magazines and if I could just like will myself to look like them um, everything like all the pieces would line up it was like good grades being thin looking like these people and getting a good boyfriend everything was perfect in my life <laughs> it was like so I did that and um, it worked and I got a lot of praise for being thin and pretty and my mom uh, you know I don't think that you know my parents caused my eating disorder or any of my isms but I really think that a mother figure has a lot of influence on a daughter and on any children and she always I always remember her saying things like oh if I could she's a southern woman these last ten, these last ten pounds, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, she's always on a diet and always exercising. And hearing those things as a young child um, has influence. And so I don't, I don't blame her today, but I, it, it became part of my way of living, I guess. And so, so I learned. Like, I remember going to camp one summer, and I wore, I, I felt like the ugly girl. It was like I had sort of a thick waist, and I wore glasses, and the boy that I liked didn't like me. And so I made it up in my head that if I could only, like, hearing my mom and reading these magazines, it was like, I got, I wrote this story in my head that if I just lost the weight, then this boy was like me it was like linear and so I lost weight and I would do things like I would make the carpool drop me off 10 blocks from my house so I could walk home and then I would swim 40 laps at the pool and I would do these crazy things and then eat only apples and yogurt and I lost the weight and then I got the boyfriend the next year at camp and so these things this made sense that being thin equaled, I, then I got what I wanted. And I also got a lot of praise at home um, for, oh, oh, Char is watching what she eats. And this is when I was 11 years old. Um, and I got a lot of praise from my mom. And so I thought this was the answer. And so that was sort of my, my like, pre pre, pre, pre how do you say it, prepubescent experience with um, my eating disorder. Um, fast forward, I went away to a boarding school 
on the East Coast. So I'm a California girl, and uh, this was and boarding school was uh, a a great opportunity for better education. It wasn't because I was bad. It wasn't military. It was sort of a family tradition, and uh, you know. My eating disorder, I just want to paint a picture for you, just took on different, it, it shape-shifted. And uh, at boarding school, I learned how to, to throw up. And uh, it just, like, it's a miracle that I'm standing here tonight. And I think I'm nervous because I haven't spoken in front of this many people. And it's just, I mean... I, I don't know what I'm saying, but um, basically I, I started throwing up. I couldn't, it just it just changed. And at boarding school what happened is there's communal bathrooms. And uh, what I would do is I lived off of like frozen yogurt and garbanzo beans and ketchup, like really weird stuff. And um, what I would do is I had to throw up in my room. And uh, I would... Uh, up in garbage bags in my room and hide them and uh like that is one of the lowest things that I ever did but I had to do what I had to do and so I, I fast forward and, and really the solution that I found in my early like teenage years um to my eating disorder was drugs and alcohol and I really thought I had found the solution like I started using drugs and alcohol and I thought uh this is this is a miracle. This it's gone. Like I stopped throwing up. I lost a bunch of weight. Um, and and what what happened for me was this like cycle. This years years upon years of using and then getting sober and my bulimia coming back with a vengeance. And uh, I couldn't figure it out. And um, like I would go into rehabs and I had not thrown up for years and then I would find myself um in the shower you know for an hour and um I would get, get put on stuff in rehab like first floor restriction and while all the other people were you know going up to their rooms and just sort of like embarrassing things um and uh you know things like that and I started using laxatives in mass quantities um and throwing up, and as I graduated or moved more through high school, I was throwing up multiple times a day and starting to eat more quantities of food, and it was it, it was um, taking over my life. Uh, I, I I was throwing up multiple times a day and taking multiple, like handfuls of laxatives, and it was it was it was terrible. And so, what happened for me is I um, I moved to LA to get sober, and uh, and I think a lot of people uh, maybe come into both programs, and uh, and I got sober, <coughs> and again my eating disorder like took a shift. It uh, it became I, I stopped being able to throw up, and uh, I I just started binging, and it was like these feelings that were coming up when I got sober were so overwhelming that. That I couldn't, I, I couldn't be present in my own body, 
and I was just eating in mass quantities and I, I just didn't even care anymore about my body or what I looked like and when I was younger it was so important to me like what I looked like and I spent so much time trying to look a certain way and it and it changed like when I was in my early 20s and when I'd gotten sober that didn't matter anymore I just didn't want to feel I just wanted to numb out completely and um when I got sober, a lot, a lot of night eating happened, and I gained a lot of weight. And I was just sort of this, this ghost. Um, I wore really heavy clothes. Um, I wore black all the time. I still wear a lot of black. It's, it's something I haven't really let go of. I think it's just another layer that, that, that will probably fall away. Um, that's what I've realized is that this is just a lot about. Um, being patient um, and it working slowly. Um, so I got sober in 2008, and um, Martha introduced me um, to program, I think in 2009, and I didn't stay. And what really had to happen for me is um, a desperation that I didn't know, and I, and I couldn't stop eating and I couldn't stop throwing up. And... Uh, I was just really desperate, and I didn't think that I would be able to stay sober. Um, so I just, I crawled into the, it was 100, I think the last time I weighed myself was 157 pounds, and um, wearing all black, floated, really, really depressed, and I don't even think I realized I was that depressed, because I was just so checked out. Um, I was living in Venice, and I, and I would kind of hit these like this like triangle of a block and I didn't care how much money I was spending I was my life was so small I had no friends I was eating going to work and sleeping as much as I could and um, I called into the um, I think it was like a 730 um, morning meeting and I was just desperate I was really I was like barely alive and I just started going to meetings and um, Martha started sponsoring me, and I was lying about my abstinence. And I, I stopped purging, but I, um, I was spending mass quantities of money on colonics, like two, like at least two a week. And I was taking herbal laxatives, and um, it was the best that I could do. I just didn't trust that I could give up what I was dependent on for my entire life. Like I just had, to, I, I couldn't give it up. And um, what happened was it was April. I broke. I broke up with this this guy. Just disappeared. I thought he was the one. Like I, I was so in love with this guy, and I totally scared him off. Like <laughs> I was like, "You're the one." And, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was calling him, making all the like doing, like calling him all the time, making all the plans. Like, can we hang out? Can we hang out? And um, he disappeared. Oh, is it not on? Oh, just getting closer. It's hard to. Can you hear me? Okay. Um. So. Like this? Yeah. Oh, you can hear me. So, he disappeared, and can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. 
he disappeared, and I went to a Monday morning OA meeting at the cottage, and I was devastated, and I was bawling, and my current sponsor was there, and she just, like, embraced me in a way that was so kind and loving and just what I needed, and it's like that window of opportunity, I think, that a lot of us are, we're all given here, that is like the seconds and inches, you know, that we need to, and it's just this beautiful opportunity that we we can walk through, and I was lying to myself, you know, and, um, and I told her that I was using laxatives, and she said, and there's another speaker that, that talks about, um, you know, being in program for a long time and using laxatives and claiming abstinence, and I, I couldn't stand her. Like, because she was, she was telling the, tr- my, you know, she was telling my truth, but, I, you know, and I, and I knew that I needed to say something. So I told Vivian and oops, my sponsor, and she said, well, do you think you could just not do that today? And I had no idea how I could just do it from that day. And, um, and at that time, it wasn't about the weight. I had lost, like, 20, 25 pounds, so it wasn't really, it wasn't about the weight. It wasn't about the food. It was just about this dependence, and I wasn't depending upon a god or on my fellows, um, and I said yes, and, and I did it, and I don't know how, and, um, and I love it, this thing, this saying that said, God's grace is available to all of us, and it's so, so true, and so from that day to this, I haven't, um, thrown up, taken a laxative, um, had a colonic, and, um, I haven't eaten perfectly, had a perfect meal plan, blah, 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 and, um, you know, I know that, uh, that's because I've, um, you know, been consistent with my meetings and been consistent with my relationship with my sponsor and worked the steps and, um, haven't, uh, gotten crazy about how I should look or what I should eat, and that's what works for me. Um, so, what my life is like today is, uh, I shared at a meeting earlier today is that my relationship with God has gotten a little askew, and uh, that's hard to admit because I, I really want to, I, I really want to say that I have a great relationship with God, and what happens is I just don't believe that He can help me with everything, and I'm so glad that I am speaking tonight because I realize like what a miracle it is to be somebody that used to throw up in garbage bags, you know and hide them and smell the whole dorm and, like, deny it. And so, like, this is perfect for me. Um, uh, I've only spoken for 15 minutes. Um, So in the beginning, it was really hard for me to not binge, and uh, I, it was told me to, be, to me that it would be lifted slowly, and that's really what has happened, is, and what that looks like is I binged once a week, and then it was once every two weeks, and it was nothing of my doing. And 
I just had to start building a life that I wanted to participate in more than sleep more and not be, um, you know, basically in my bed or comatose. And it's happened really slowly. And today, it's like a thought, like, oh, I'd rather eat. And then I think about it, and I have like two or three seconds to think about it and maybe talk to a higher power, and I'd rather participate in my life. And that is not, that could not have happened in my first two or three or six months. I didn't even have a choice. And so it's just been a really slow process. And um, I wish that I, you know, maybe I don't even wish, that's just what had to happen for me. And, um, and so, uh, that's about the binging. And, um, you know, today, uh, you know, I love what Seth said, that it's not, that it's not about the food because it's really about like the the overwhelming feelings that I have, um, facing like what I think I want or what, what I think I should have. And, um, and then when I get into fear, then I start to want to control my body, um, or I, or I think I should be exercising more, or I think I should be, um, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, anyways, um, I don't know. I, I, I think I'll probably just open it up to questions, and, um, yeah, that's it. So, thank you so much. Um, the question is, how did I overcome the self-hatred? And what tools did I use to get through it? That's a really good question. Um, I I think as I grew grew older, it sort of it dissipated a lot. And I think that as I've been in program, uh, I think just time here has healed a lot of that. And I see how just counterproductive it is for me to be like a whole healthy, free human being that that those old tapes aren't useful or productive or part of the, the person that I want to emanate to the world. And um, or is that does that make sense? Um, so. The, the loving person that I want to be or the way that I want to talk to myself or talk to others, there's just not a really a place for that. And um, I guess an, an example of that would be, oh, you're so stupid or you're so fat. And, um, like, I don't even go there. I don't go there anymore. And uh, I, I think that it's really just disappeared over time. And... I talk to a god and not, I don't use self, let self-hatred talk anymore. So, if, does that make sense? Yeah, so. Uh, the question was, how has my relationship with my mother evolved or played out since I've been in program? Um, yeah, uh, my, my, my mom is not in program, and it's, it's been painful, and, um, to watch her disease get worse, and her solution is um, just to exercise more, or you know, not eat this, or you know, 
you know, as mine would be if I didn't have a, a program. And so my job is to not, and, and I'm in another program for the, for relationships. <laughs> um, you know, my, I feel like my main job is to not tell her she's doing something wrong and to hold my tongue and to just really have compassion for the pain that she must be in. Um, just a small circle of, that small circle of solution that she must be in. Um, so, and with that, I, I, uh, I call her, you know, maybe once a week, and she doesn't live in L.A. She lives up north still. And, um, you know, I actually had a really beautiful experience with her. Um, she was down here, and I just felt pure love for her. No, no judgment or disdain or why aren't you doing it my way. And I feel that that is a total gift of this program but um, not living in the same city as her and, you know, not being enmeshed is um, really important. So that's, I'm staying really um, close to my programs. So that's it. The question was, can I talk about my daily spiritual practice? Um, sure. Uh, so before, when I wake up, before I check a phone, a computer, before I get out of, out of bed, anything, um, I check in with a god, goddess, um, HP, um, and I just make sure that I feel in my heart that I'm connected. And I don't have, I don't say any set, set of prayers, but the most important thing is that I feel a connection in my being. And... Um, I ask for guidance, and it's simple. It's like two, five seconds, and um, at night I do the same thing, um, and I have this really great neck pillow, and so I'm comfortable, and I so I say, for, ask for guidance, and then at night I say thank you, and um, there's just like a running dialogue throughout my day, um, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, I don't have a... Rich rituals. I don't have any any anything like that. But um, those two things in the beginning, before anything, and at night after everything. Yeah. Oh, that's something I wanted to talk about. Thank you for bringing that up. So, um, the question was, how do I work through resentment in a day-to-day basis? Um, so when I was speaking, I brought up uh, that myself that self-will when it was working for me, was really charged with self-hatred. And um, as I've gotten abstinent and sober, anger has really been something that has popped up. And, um, you know, as a bulimic, I think that I stuffed that down really well. And um, especially in intimate relationships, anger has been uh just, it's just really blown me away. It's like, I, I thought I was so sweet and kind and innocent. <laughs> and, uh, do not be fooled. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the ten steps are huge. And I usually wait till I have about five of them until <laughs> I, <laughs> I've got, I'm just seething. And um, resentment so 10 steps are huge. They are incredibly helpful for me, and I feel like it is like taking a pill or eating a piece of cake. 
Um, it is so helpful for me to write it down and to, it, it's just like medicine. So, but, and daily resentments, um, my first sponsor said, um, there's this bless and release program. So if, uh, I'm just going to bless them and release them. So, uh, like if someone cuts you off, um, that's like a, a quickie. That's like before you get to a 10 step area, someone cuts you off, just do a little prayer, bless, bless and release. And, um, and then, uh, but with, uh, yeah, I guess that's what, yeah, that works for me on like a second second basis. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. How has the, the program affected my relationship with my work? I'm a student, so I guess I can um, answer it in terms of being a student. Well, it's positively affected it because I'm more present and uh, I am not thinking about food all the time or thinking about my body all the time. I'm not thinking about the way that I look or thinking about what you're thinking about me or thinking about what I'm going to eat or always going to the refrigerator. Um, I'm more focused. Um, I'm able to achieve the goals that I set and not just the goal of today but a long-term goal. Um, so really in a, in a very positive way. Um, I'm able to think about you and not just me and uh yeah so in a a very very positive way yeah and uh yeah oh uh how has uh the program or affected date my dating it has affected it in a positive way i'm in a in a relationship and i think that uh, I'll, I'll answer it this way, that working the steps, and especially the ninth step, has affected dating in a very positive way. I think that, um, how do I want to put this? In, in terms of like, my eating disorder. You know, I always thought that I had to look a perfect way for you to in order for you to like me and that it was always about my outsides and not my insides and I I think that that is I know that that has totally changed and that it's a whole it's a whole package deal and that the outsides are just you know a reflection of the insides and um, uh, you know once I think I internalized that um, then I was able to accept that about another person and um, I always, you know, looked for a, um, a relationship based on what somebody else looked like and on the outside and not on the inside. So saying, as for saying that, I think that's also maturity, too, like growing up. And um, in terms of the ninth step, I, I went back through the steps and I made, I did a thorough sexual inventory. And um, I had had a sponsor that said, you don't owe any amends to these men because in the best amends you can make is to stay the hell away from them. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. <laughs> that is easy. And, um, you know, and ma- that's probably what I needed to do for my first while because I would have gotten it all confused and all wrong and don't I would have thought, don't you, you know, I look good or, you know, I, I would have, you know, done it a totally... Not, not in a humble way. And, um, but so what, what happened is that 
I, I did a thorough sexual amends and, or thorough sexual inventory, and there were a lot of people that I really hurt. And I made amends to those people. And after I did that, like, God put somebody in my life that, like, I'm totally compatible with, and we have a beautiful relationship. And so, um, and as for, like, how I feel in the relationship and with my body is I'm, to- I'm, co- I'm confident, and I feel good, and, and it's a loving relationship. So, um, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That's a, good, that's a great question. Um, how did, the question is, how did I become willing to become totally honest? Um, I think it, there was that window that I was given. It was like I was, I was, you know, I had been, I was just been lying my whole life, and this was the last thread like the um you know I had just there there were years and years and years where I had just lied and lied and lied and lied through my teeth and it was like who was I kidding who I mean this is my this is my life and um no one else is being hurt by my lies except for me and um I think I just really had an experience with that, like a deep experience with that. And and someone asked me, and Vivian, she had asked me, like right then, well, are you, I don't know how it actually went, to tell you the truth. If she asked me if I was taking anything, or if I, if she, I think she asked me if I was abstinent, and I said no. Um, so I think I was given an opportunity, and I was also given the grace, I guess. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you.